This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Calls on the New York Yankees who once again lost. That's now five straight L's for the Bombers. They're now under 500 this late in the season for the first time since 1995. 800-919-3776. If you're on hold, stay there. Real quick, I just want to touch on something I've been thinking about all day. Excuse me, because I heard uh, my guys Pat O'Keefe and Dan Grassa on the subject this morning, filling in for DiPietro and Rothenberg. So the Harden and and Daryl Morey saga rages on, and now Embiid, the latest chapter of you know this uh, this book here is that Embiid has removed the Sixers from his bio, and you know that's become the passive aggressive things that that athletes tend to do these days to, to let you know that they're upset. I'm gonna take you out of my bio. It's like back in the day when, you know, MySpace, you got mad at someone, you took them out your top eight. That's how you really, really sent the message. My question to Nick fans out there, if Daryl Morey called right now and offered you Joel Embiid, would you take it? It's going to require a ton of picks, some young assets, maybe R.J. Grimes, Throw quickly in there. Mitchell Robinson, you taking that deal? Because you're doling out future first-round picks and young players you love, but those picks don't matter. You have those picks for situations like this. When it's time to go out there and get a superstar, because you don't currently have one on your team, which means you have a clear ceiling. You're only as good as where you got last year. That's getting to the second round. You're you're not going any further than that, assuming no significant injuries just run rampant all over the Eastern Conference. So are you willing to do that? Part with picks, young players, to go get the star? Because in this process, no pun intended, you're acquiring an MVP who during the regular season last year once again won a scoring title, gave you 33-10-4, and and is tremendous on defense. Would you do that? I say absolutely. I looked this up. So let's go from now to 2028. The Knicks have five of their own picks, so they own all of their picks through 2028. Then they're going to get one, and they're all uh, have, you know, protections on them. So it gets a little... Uh, challenging to actually go through what they are. But at some point, they're going to get picks from Dallas, Washington, Detroit, and Milwaukee. And once again, there are protections. Like Dallas is top 10 protected. Next year, Detroit's top 18 protected. So eventually, those are going to convey, which means you got a lot of draft capital. And you have the young players who, again, I don't think are going to become stars. You have the assets. If he calls you, I don't see it happening just because, you know, why is Maury trading his best player to the Knicks? But who knows? Maybe Embiid decides that's where I want to go. That's the only team on my wish list. And they're able to make it happen. Ultimately, Maury's got to pick the best deal for him. He can be stubborn and patient. We saw what happened with Ben Simmons, which is why everyone who's predicting he's going to have to just acquiesce and succumb to what James Harden is asking for. I don't see it. I just don't see it. Maury has shown you in the past, if he does not get a deal that he likes, he's not making the trade. 
once he sees something come together that is favorable to him in his eyes, that's when he'll do it. So that's just something I wanted to know, Nick fans. 800-919-3776. Would you do it? Let me know. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Ty. Uh, hello, Chantel. Hello, Harvey. Shout out to the company. I uh, wanted to definitely chime in on the Yankee talk. Um, so with the Yankees, it, it, it's really perplexing. It's not perplexing anymore because, like um, Harvey said, the Gordon line, I'm surprised that you're surprised. Mm -hmm. Because remember when we were the spoiled Yankee fans that were complaining when they were 10 games over 500 that saw the obvious flaws and saw the obvious detriments that were coming ahead. And we kind of knew that this was going to happen. When Aaron Judge got hurt, we just knew that it, it just fell apart. And that's just what, what's happening. And like you said, everyone's frustrated with Boone's, you know, press conferences. It kind of gets annoying at, at, at this point. I love how Richard looked at it, which is he thinks Boone's being entertaining. As a Yankee fan, I don't find this entertaining. I can't look at it that way. I find this that's very disturbing. And I think the reason that Aaron Judge is now repeating and parroting it is because of how the question was phrased, one. And two, uh, he, he just called out his team and they didn't show up. <laughs> like, That has to be a terrible feeling. I appreciate the call because uh, Don posed that question earlier today on the K-Show. Uh, judge said, guys aren't showing up. What is the response going to be from the team? Your captain just called you out. The response was another shutout. They were four hits tonight they had. Four hits. Four hits. And you just spoke about Aaron Judge. Here was, here, here's the, the quote he had about them just being a couple of streaks away. We got work to do. We got the work to do. You know, we got an off day coming up and it's time to reset and get back to it. You know, we're just a couple streaks away from being right where we want to be. I think going home, getting a little reset and get back out there, I think the boys are going to be ready. You know, so I think just like, like Skip said, all, all year it's right in front of us. So we got to go out there and go out there and take it. Oh, man. I guess, I mean, what else is he supposed to say? But to hear, like, Boone was the guy giving us all these, like, wonky quotes about the offense, you know, turning a corner. Despite the, don't look at the 18 strikeouts. I promise you, you're we're right there. We're working deep counts, and then they left like 28 base runners on in two games. Guys, we're making progress. The, the guys are getting on base. We just have to drive them in. It was just optimism, just overload, and it was so overwhelmingly disturbing to the point where we all just decided, all right, we're out. But now, I, now that I'm like detaching myself emotionally, it's becoming a little entertaining. Sam's in Texas, wants to weigh in on the baseball. What's up, Sam? What's going on, Ty? How you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, I'm man. Doing... What's going on? Uh, just melting still over here in San Antonio, brother. You know the deal. Ah, man. Um, you know, we've been speaking for a while, man. I never knew you were old enough uh, for MySpace, man. That, that kind of took me back. <laughs> good, good I remember enough. MySpace. That top eight, man, was getting a lot of people mad. That, that was a, a secret way to get the, get the ladies jealous. Uh, it was, sli and you, know, you must have been like six years old at the time, brother. Nah, I was. Listen, I was. I was up there. I was in. Uh, what was that? I, I was in middle school, I think, when that MySpace was ringing off. Okay. All right. Uh, honestly, I thought you were like in your early early twenties. You, uh, you slide that what? that 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 boo thing to number one. 
then somebody gets mad and jealous. That creates a little argument. It's a little toxic, but that's that's what was going on back in the days. You know. Yeah, you know what? It was the beginning of the end of the world, as we <laughs> old school uh, people know it. Uh, Ty, I'm going to ask for some respect here for a moment. Just give me a few moments. Quickly, I'd like to just address the whole Joel Embiid. I'm not a Knicks fan. The only non-New York team I'm a fan of are the Dallas Mavericks. If I'm the Mavericks, I pick up the phone and I try to get Embiid. Imagine him with Luka. You know what? I would say take Kyrie. Take all the entire contract that I just signed him with. I'll pay it because, you know, Mark Cuban is loaded and doesn't care. Say, take Kyrie, whatever else you want, send me back and be. That would be a pretty good twosome. With yeah, Daryl Morey says hell no to that trade. But go ahead, continue. Understood. Well, this is a hypothetical. I would try to make it happen one way or another. But So as far as uh, the Mets are concerned, I, uh, I, I've been thinking about it a lot over these last couple of weeks. Now, um, look at the landscape of the National League. Atlanta is not going anywhere Nowhere. for at least the next five to eight years. All of their players are young and you know, really haven't even hit their prime yet, especially uh, as far as like the everyday players. And they pump out pitchers like no tomorrow, going back to the 90s, like with the Steve Averys and all, all those guys that they had back then. Here's my thought on it. You, you accumulated all these draft picks, and Michael K. I think, hit it best. Draft picks are like lottery tickets. You never know who's going to hit. Mike Piazza was a was drafted as a favor, and look at what he ended up becoming. And then you have other top picks that end up selling fruit on the side of the road somewhere. Here's what I would do. You have Alonzo coming up. You have Lindor in the prime of his career. Nimmo, at this point, is one of the better center fielders in the league. Um, McNeil, I'm a big McNeil fan. I don't know what happened to him this year. I would actually dangle them all at this point and bring back as many top-end prospects as you can. Let them all develop in the minor leagues together, like what Atlanta did, like what Baltimore did. Um, Cincy looks like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, you know, these next... Uh, yeah, the Sam, so the pro- listen, so. Sam, I hear that. The problem is that's going to take a long time to see, right, to right, see that right. come to fruition. You're, you're absolutely right. And first Here's of all, point you, on that, though. you're going to have to find, you're going to have to eat a lot of that Lindor contract. You just gave Nemo, you just gave Nemo an, ex- an extension this past offseason. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. Just hear me out, Ty. You're absolutely right. It's going to take a while, but I think at this point, Mets fans will be okay with that because that's why I prefaced my point by saying Atlanta's not going anywhere. If this plan that I'm talking about right now takes you the two to three, four, five years, at that point, Atlanta's stars right now would be towards the back nine of their career, and maybe you could take advantage of it at that point with a nucleus that's coming up. Because plugging and playing like they've been trying to do, I love Uncle Cohen. I think he's a great owner, um, and he will pay to do this plan. The Wilpons would never. I would never call in with this plan if the Wilpons were still the owner. Listen, Sam, I, I, I appreciate the phone call. I respectfully disagree. Steve Cohen bought this team three years ago. He's now 67, had a three- to five-year plan to win a championship. You think he wants to sit around for another five to you know seven years to see this come to fruition, where he goes from starting this season in 2023 uh, thinking he could win a World Series to punting on the next four to five years in favor of prospects you, you don't even know will work out, and now that just completely resets your timeline? And all because you have to wait out the Braves. And I understand the Braves are tremendous, and the disparity between you and them is so large. Like, it has to give you nightmares as a Mets fan. I just don't think that that's the play. 
You got to find a way to reload and retool and have this thing popping off in, in 2025. Lewis is in Trenton. What's up, Lewis? Hey, how you doing? Um, so normally, um, if I'm calling about the Knicks, it would be bad news. But because my Yankees are doing so terrible, it's actually a good thing to call about the Knicks. Makes right? the Knicks look good, right? <laughs> How about this? The Knicks will have won more playoff games this year than the Yankees did. The Knicks I, will I end up being that. the Knicks will end up being the more successful playoff team than the Yankees. How about that one? <laughs> I mean, who would have ever thought that? I mean, I've been a lifelong Knicks fan and, and and Yankee fan, and I would have never thought I'd be more excited about the Knicks than the Yankees. I mean, <laughs> um, but I just want to um, see your thought on on Brunson and RJ, the way they're playing in international play. I mean, they're looking phenomenal, particularly RJ. Um, you think that could translate into the regular season, and then you think that RJ, maybe he could finally take that next step to maybe being an all-star caliber player or maybe even better than that. And I, and I definitely think Brunson is going to take a next step to being an all-star. Well, um, yes. Well, I'll, I'll start with Brunson. I think he is going to continue to ascend, and I appreciate the call. We we saw last year, or really we saw two years ago, his coming out party in the playoffs, and that bled into last year where he became arguably an all-NBA player. And an all-star. He didn't quite make it, but we saw, uh, I, I thought Randall for the totality of the season was their best player. Jalen Brunson was their best player in the playoffs, and I think he's going to continue to get better. Now, people who listen to me know I am not high on R.J. Barrett at all. What I will say is there is a chance that him getting this time playing with the Canadian team before the season starts helps get him into a rhythm because what we've seen sometimes is that he'll like either start strong and then tail off and, and there's no serious momentum to his game. So if he can find a way to come in the season strong and and carry it for an 82-game stretch, then is when I'll say, all right, maybe this guy can become something. But I need to see that first. And I understand, like, during the playoffs, like, he started off slow and then he went on a run and then he had that awful game six. We just don't see enough consistency. People think I'm a, an R.J. Barrett hater. I'm telling the truth. I am, I am analyzing what I'm watching. What Nick fans perceive him to be, what they think his ceiling is, I think is not even close to what he actually has shown. He still has time to prove me wrong. He's still young. He's going into, what, year five? So we'll see what happens, but so far, or I think it's in, in year four. We'll see what happens, but so far has not shown to be the player everyone expected or hoped he would become, especially when he signed that extension. 800-919-3776. Love that the phone lines are blowing up. We're taking this thing until midnight. I'll hit you guys once we get back. Keep it locked right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Hey, what's up, Ty? What's going on, brother man? How you doing? All right. It's good to talk to you. Been listening to you for a little while. Happy to hear you on, on the set. Is this your normal um, hours now? Well, I, I'm, I'm like doing a lot of filling stuff. So this week I'm doing 10 to midnight. Next week, uh, I got a couple of morning shows with uh, with Dan Grasso and DPH on Rothenberg, 6A to 10, 10A. So I'll, I'll be all over the place. But Sundays, Sundays uh, when the Jets are not playing at 1 o'clock, 
I'll be doing shows. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be doing shows with uh, Brandon Jacobs. So I'm gonna be all over the place. Okay, well, I follow you on Twitter. I was just looking through your your Twitter feed, and I was just wondering. I was up tonight. I was watch. I watched um, the Hard Knocks life again twice um, for the second time, and looked at the um, One Jets Drive for the first time tonight on the um, app on Jets um, Joint. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Let's do it. Um, what I noticed, because um, I know you're a big Jet fan too. I know you're a Laker fan, so. I'm a I'm a New York fan. I'm a Knicks, Jets, Mets, and I'm not a big hockey dude, but I do root for the Rangers. So that's my my sports portfolio, or whatever. But um, I want to talk about Will McDonald because um, I think this guy is, is going to be he's, he's going to be the truth. He went to um, he actually went to uh, where he got his piercings from. He went to the spot that I got my first and only tattoo from. And my clear, and my clear, yeah, New man. Jersey. That was crazy yeah. watching him take take those needles. Like he got it above his <laughs> eye, got it in his nose. He didn't even flinch yeah. at all. He he he. I, I mean, look, he's tough. He's a football player, but I'm watching that right. like, damn, man, like not even a, a, a an ouch, not even an ouch or or anything, nothing. And even he said like the nose, and I seen him crying. I'm like, yeah, that got. That got to be painful. I don't got no piercings. I just got the one tattoo. And I'm like, I'm like now I'm like, you know, I got to get another ta- tattoo. I was going to get more tattoos back in the day, but then that's when everybody wanted to get all these tattoos, and I don't <laughs> like to follow the trend of everybody. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But now I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to get a – I got a, I got a uh, drama sign on my arm, and I think I'm going to get a yin and yang. I like I like things Yo, you know what you need to get, Donnie? You know what you need to get, Donnie? Uh, so at the beginning of the Hard Knocks episode, they had uh, mm-hmm. they they had the mentalist Oz in there yeah. with his uh, mm-hmm. with the the prediction on on the board. It was no, Jets. I'm not getting. Jets, get Jets thirty one. Niners twenty one. Get that right on the face. Get that right no, on your face. Ne- first of all, first of all, you talk. I'm forty seven years old, and I would never get no nothing. T- I'm not no gang banger. And then yo, that. Yolo, man, Yolo. Appreciate the appreciate the call, face. Donnie. I got I got to run, man. I appreciate the call. Appreciate the love. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That mentalist. That was that was fun. That was a fun way to start Hard, hard Knocks episode number two. I've been enjoying it so far. It's an Aaron Rodgers love fest, and you understand he's you know new territories and a new relationship. So he's saying and doing all the right things. I just wonder, when is that patience going to start to wear thin with this offensive line and the coaching staff for not having solidified it just yet? So we'll have to see what happens there. Max is in New Jersey, wants to talk it up. What's up, Max? Hey, Tyler, what's going on? I'm chilling, man. What's going on? What's the word? So uh, before I get to my Yankee point, I just want to chime in quickly on what you were saying with the Knicks. Uh, if MB does become available, they have to pounce on that. I mean, these picks that they've been hoarding for the past couple of years are just air. And, and they didn't go after Donovan Mitchell. They didn't go after Javante Murray. So, I mean, if the reigning MVP becomes available, I, I, it, that's the only way that they're really to- going to be Totally agree, Max. Better. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, moving on to my Yankee point here, you know, obviously it's, the season is, is a the team is a complete dumpster fire. The season is totally lost now. I mean, I'm even at the point where I don't even know Boone. Uh, I, if you would ask me two weeks ago, I thought he's definitely coming back no matter what. Now, I think there they're really could actually. 
but I think moving forward this season, maybe kind of similar to 2016, even though they didn't end up selling at the deadline, they have to call up some of their top guys that are that are in the, that are in AAA right now that are doing well, and and I think really put a put an emphasis on trying to get these guys some major league reps. Uh, Austin Wells specifically at the catcher position, but also uh, Everson Pereira. I might be pronouncing yeah, Pereira. Last yep. wrong. Yeah, Pereira. Yeah, you, you got know, it right. Yep, you got it right. He's right. Yeah. He's kind of raking. I mean, I would even – I know Florio hasn't really done anything at the major league level, and he's not on the 40-man roster. But, you know, bring him up and see if maybe he can catch up something and just try to look towards the future and see what you got with some of these guys and give them some reps. And maybe kind of like 2016, remember, I mean, they were, you know, on the on the brink of actually nabbing one of those last wild card spots after they sold at the deadline when those, when when – with you know, thanks to Gary Sanchez and stuff like that. So I mean, maybe some of these guys get hot, and and the final month, even if they don't make the playoffs, maybe you can kind of say, all right, that was fun. Now I'm looking forward to next year. Or maybe remember when Judge came up in 2016, he didn't play well at all. I mean, I think he struck out in more than half of his at bats, but yep. that really gave him some motivation for his rookie year in 2017. And boom, goes out and hits 52 home runs. So I think you know, moving forward. The Yankees really got to put some emphasis on, on looking towards the future and seeing what they got. And, I mean, come on. There's basically been no offense, I mean, of course, the past two nights, but really this whole season. I, at this point, what do they have to lose? Thanks, Kyle. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, listen. Uh, Florio's not in a 40-man. The Yankees aren't just going to get rid of somebody to add him to the 40-man. That doesn't make sense. So I, I don't see him uh, being an option. But as far as, you know, Pereira and Peraza and, you know, uh, other guys, of, of course, and yeah, I do remember you know, Aaron Judge. It was him and Tyler Austin hit back-to-back home runs, and then after that, you know, Judge struck out a bunch, but he comes back and hits 52 home runs, and now you know he's the best player on the team. So I do think that once this number, uh, games back of the wild card, gets to a, a certain point where even if they're not mathematically eliminated, it it feels insurmountable they'll decide to, to punt on the rest of the season and bring these young guys up. And if they don't, then that, that, that just contributes to uh, them displaying a level of malpractice and malfunction that should lead to some firings. Tim is in Point uh, Pleasant. I, I can't see the whole thing. What is this? Where are you, Tim? Pleasant Valley. Pleasant Valley. Pleasant Valley. What's up, Tim? Hey, what's going on, man? Listen, my, my point is, is uh, with Joe Girardi and um, – you know, there's a lot of debate on whether or not if it's him or if it's the higher-ups because of the, um, uh, you know, the guys who are who are basically running the statistics and all that other stuff. Uh, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to go with Gerard, with I'm not Gerardi, I'm sorry, with, um, with Aaron Boone, uh, simply because, you know, there's, there's a sports psychology to this, you know, and, and no one's really speaking, uh, you know, speaking to this. And sports psychology, which psychology has a real it, – it's real, you know? If you're if you're a coach, there's a way to be positive but hold your players accountable. So if you're if you're sitting there at press conferences and saying, hey, you know what, you know, you know, you, you should look at this, you know, they did this really well, this, this – no, 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 no. You, you can still be positive and say, hey, listen, I expect you to do better because you are better than this, you know, and holding them accountable – that goes a long way in making guys want to play harder, because now it's like, listen, I, I'm 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 not performing to the level that I'm supposed to. You're paying me all this money, 
and I'm not performing. Like, I, I'm in sales, and one of my best sales manager, um, you know, whenever I left him, I, I, I felt bad if I wasn't performing, if I wasn't doing anything, because he would just let me know, like, listen, you're better than this. You, you actually can do better than this. You're not performing at the level that you're supposed to. And after I, after I left him, I didn't feel bad. I didn't hate him for it. I felt bad because I wasn't performing at the level that I should, and I felt bad because, you know, he was vouching for me. He was doing things for me, and I didn't, and I, and I didn't perform to the level that he expected me to perform. Yeah, listen, uh, I, I appreciate the call, Tim. I don't know that I can go that far. I, I, I try my best to to refrain from going to immeasurables because, like, how do you measure someone's passion or their heart or their willingness and desire to play for a manager? What I will say that I, that I agree with you on is that some of this does have to fall on him. And maybe the voice has gone stale. Maybe this is a team that isn't equipped to handle adversity because they're front runners and they're not used to enduring you know, this level of, of, of stress and, like, being this bad. And if someone is responsible of, you know, if someone has the responsibility to exude a level of leadership, it has to fall on the manager. And you can say right now it's not working. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls. I do also want to get into the uh, ESPN NFL FPI projections. So I found it very interesting where they had the Jets and Giants slated. So let's do that. Your call's in that next. Keep it locked right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. And it's about the Sixers' draft history. Because you know they tanked for all these years, and they were you know in the midst of trying to field a contender afterwards but 2013 you go Michael Carter Williams shout out Syracuse 2014 Joel Embiid 2015 Jalil Okafor 2016 Ben Simmons and these are lottery picks by the way Markel Fultz in 2017 Zaire Smith in 2018 2019 you get Matisse Thibel so you really went 1 for 7 on your top picks which is an excellent segue to my guy Buddha in the Bronx what you got to say for yourself with your Sixers I really loved you, man. <laughs> and what you did to me last night, it was tough. Yo, you heard you heard people coming for you? You you opened the platform for people to say, Hey, I wanna hurt Buddha <laughs> and you know, it really, really hurt me because I looked at you and I said, Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> no, I'm not. You know what? Let me let me explain something. Well, to you, well listen. You remember what happened after that question was asked in, in, in New Jack City? You remember what happened? He shot him. Yeah. Well, so, you did the same thing to me. Yeah, we had I to. Mean, we had to reenact. I better than that. We had to reenact my favorite movie. That. We had to reenact one of the best scenes in my favorite movie. I love that they were coming from you though, and you ain't back down. The only thing I didn't appreciate was all, all the boo boo loving between you and Jose on Twitter after he was the one who started, and now he's copping. Please, so come on. If you if you're gonna come with it, you got to stand. You got to stand firm and stand tall on what you got to believe in. All right, listen, Jose is coming from a perspective of jest. So I didn't know why you even thought he was going to come at me like full guns blazing after that. But I'll say this much, and I'm going to leave this discussion alone at the end of this. 
You met Eli from Washingtonville as an absolute cornball. Oh, he used that platform last night. He thought it was something real between me and Jose for him to come on here and try to embellish on the fact that, uh, I, you know, I've eviscerated him multiple times on the station for being a person who is a one-trick pony. The oh, only man. call he calls is Brian Cashman is this, Brian Cashman is that. When I told everybody a thousand times that Brian Cashman was just a derivative of Hal Steinbrenner, and he can't deal with the fact that uh, you're going up against a brother who has a full perspective on sports knowledge. That dude's a corn. And, and like Vin Diesel used to call Brian Spillner in, in, in The Fast and Furious, He's a buster, okay? So please. We got caller know, beef. Buy that might, nonsense with somebody else. We That's might, number one. We might have to do a, a segment on the show where we just allow <laughs> callers to, you know, pull up and, and just go at each other. Cause I, we I, could I do know. all that all, all, all the way. For, but listen, there's some callers in here that disagree with me that I respect them a thousand percent. But I respect them because they have a broad knowledge of sports. Oh, when man. you have only one call that you've been using for the last four years, that every single host is tired of hearing from you. I mean, please. I mean, come on. Yo, stop. Eli, what you got to say about that? You're not even that? in my league. Yo, That's Eli, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to defend for yourself. Yo, Eli, you gonna have to defend for yourself, man. Buddha's talking crazy about you. So if you're listening, I'm talking real. I ain't talking crazy. <laughs> I'm talking real. But anyway, you know. What else you got, bro? What else you got, bro? All right. Look, I, I really called to talk New York basketball with you. Let's do it. And New York City basketball with you. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a question and, and, and give you a prelude to what I want to talk about. If I was to ask you who's the best basketball player in NYC, who would you give me as your answer? Like right now? Right now. In New York City? Jalen Brunson. New York City Pro Sports. Who's the best basketball player? Jalen Brunson. Okay. I see you, Jalen Brunson, and I'm going to raise you a Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, okay. All who right. Who trained... With the Mamba, yeah, Kobe Bryant, and the reason I say that is, I know this is a, a chauvinistic environment, sort of, you know, to, to, on these stations that the WNBA is not spoke about or acknowledge or even act like they exist. But I'm gonna tell you this much: she's a bad girl, woman. When I say girl, I just use it as a euphemism. She's a bad woman, and uh, I'll tell you this much: when I look at the New York Liberty, that's a formidable formidable team in in the league that they're in because Brianna Stewart, Stewie as she's known, if she's not hurt, she's an MVP candidate all the time. You got Vandersloot who is a playmaker. You got Johannes who's a big shot maker. You got John Quell Jones who is the actual motor and grit of the team who does all the dirty work, you know, rim protector. You know, can shoot the three if you needed to. Plays tough defense. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When I look at the New York basketball teams that are here, Knicks and the Nets included, this is the team that has the best chance to, you know, go for the title. Yeah. And, you know, You're I, right. I, I have to be honest with you. My, you know, my logic, you remember iRobot with Vicky? Yes, sir. My logic is undeniable. Yep. Yo, my logic is undeniable, fam. <laughs> this team... Listen, what I love about the WNBA, and you want to talk about this, I know you're trying to poke jabs at me with the Sixers and all that, and I'm ready to trade Embiid. They're not going to trade him to the Knicks, but I'm ready to trade him because you're never going to get more than you're going to get for him at this point. The league the way it is now, this is a two-guard two or three-player is your best player on the team. So if we could send him to Phoenix 
and you give me Devin Booker and we can reboot and start it, I would love to do all of that. But like I said, with the Knicks, you know, the, the Nets, you know, and my sixes, I just look at all those teams. And you know what I love about the WNBA? What's that? There's no James Hardens. Mm. Because these these young ladies play for the love of the game. That's period. <laughs> well, first, and period. I appreciate I appreciate the call, Buddha. The last night when I posed that question, I, I was looking at the four major sports that that we cover here: NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. And yes, the, the Liberty would be the answer to the question of which team is in best position to end a championship drought. Because that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal squad. They're a super team, and they're right there amongst the favorites to win the championship this this year. And they should be getting a lot more love and respect. As far as that that last part you just threw in, I completely agree with it. Because I was thinking about this driving in, you know, and, and going through what's happening with James Harden. How is this good for basketball? And this is coming from a guy who is pro player empowerment. I think that whenever an athlete decides there is a better place to take their talents to in pursuit of achieving the ultimate goal of winning a championship, which further advances their legacy, their cause, and they get to be spoken about in a more positive light based on that, I'm all for it. And I think that the media... I, 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 on one hand, I, I, I do detest when athletes do the whole, you know, it's the media's fault and blame the media. But to some degree, the media is responsible for for these players wanting out of their current situations. Because you keep telling them you're not going to acknowledge their greatness devoid of them winning a championship. Which is why I had no issue with LeBron going to Miami. Initially I did, but in retrospect, it was the right thing for him to do. We we crushed him in Cleveland for not winning. They were not putting a, a representable championship contender around him. So he goes to Miami. It's why Durant did what he did. I don't love that he went to the Warriors, especially because of what became of it, but it's why he decided it was best for him to leave. It's currently what Dame's going through. and For years we've told Dame he has to get out of Portland. But James Harden is a different situation because he he's not leaving because he cares about his legacy. If he cared about his legacy, this wouldn't be the third trade request. He's a repeat offender. This is different. This is making a mockery of what should be a decorated resume for an absolute superstar, for one of the 50 greatest players ever, for a league MVP multiple-time scoring champion, an all-time great. This can't be good for basketball. I do think the league absorbs and embraces the drama because it creates this 24-7 cycle that keeps it relevant. I think they benefit from that, which is why I have no issue with Dame and, like I said, LeBron and Durant and anyone else, or Anthony Davis when he asked out of New Orleans. But this James Harden situation just hits a little bit differently. This can't be good for basketball. This guy, everywhere he goes, he's just unhappy, so he asked out. And for you to blast your general manager that way, I get you're frustrated. I know you want to put pressure on him, but that was a terrible look. And then, by the way, you look at the, you look at the, the video of Harden in China. When he we blast Daryl, 
Doesn't look like he's in great shape. He's out there looking like Dave Rothenberg. That ain't good. 800-919-3776. We wrap the show next right here on 98.7 ESPN.